Welcome to Risky Standard, an actual play podcast featuring a rowdy group of best friends playing tabletop role-playing games together. I am your host and GM, Mitch Brewster. You can find me on Twitter at MagnesiumB. You can find the show on Twitter at Standard Risky. Uh, You can also find us over on the show's Discord. Uh, There's a link for that in the show notes. Uh, Come check it out. We're hanging out. We're chatting. I'm posting some maps and images some like inspiration images for some of the earlier arcs we've done this season uh come say hello uh with me today i've got peter loftus hey what's up i'm pete uh i'm playing as the ace pilot Rhodes rampart yet again we've also got malcolm hall here today howdy 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 uh and we have timothy mans Hiya! Uh, good to be here again today. If you want to go to x.com and bully me about starting a band camp for any of the music, feel free to do that, because I uh, am bad at, at uh, finishing projects that I said. But you might want to think twice, because right when he said hiya, he shattered a 2 by 4 with a solid <laughs> blow. Yeah, it's true. It's just... <laughs> you couldn't hear it, but it definitely happened. You couldn't hear that, but it was very shocking for us. We sound-gated it out. <laughs> uh, today, guys, we are continuing our game of Beam Saber by Austin Ramsey. Uh, you can find Beam Saber over on Austin's itch.io page. And, uh, we are continuing today our squad's mission at the Lost Crown Saloon in the Shade District of Coronatus, where they've been sent to retrieve and copy the personal network device of the Grenfield executive Sellers Montag. And so last session, uh, the the actual, the foray match that we've all been waiting for started up after the end of the meet and greet session with the VIPs. Uh, and during that time, Rhodes was able to dispatch his first combatant in the, the Diadem Royale, a foray pilot named Perel Three Tide. Carta and Desmond were able to use the the excitement surrounding that moment to sort of finalize their work on the clock representing their their friendship or their ability to endear themselves to the target, Sellers Montag. Uh, and completing that clock has now given them the, the opportunity or the opening to kind of try and move in closer to retrieve the device that the, the mission is centered around. Uh, and alongside all of that, maybe we're talking about the clocks that we have going right now. Uh, there's, of course, a six-segment clock here that is tracking the the health and status of a Rhodes's holographic projection. Uh, it's a six-segment clock, and you've taken one tick on it, a little bit of damage in your first encounter. Uh, you're still going strong. Uh, like I just said, we have a completed clock that represents the the friendship with uh, the target seller's Montag. Uh, and there's also now a mystery clock that is a four-segment clock. It has been ticked twice. We don't know quite what it means yet, uh, although I think last time I hinted that it is in some way connected to the fact that off in the corner of this VIP booth, the Concordat cleric, Almuric Yet, has been sort of tucked away, sort of quietly chanting uh, or, or praying, perhaps, uh, looking at an image of the Concordat pilot on the, the foray board, 
palace again. Uh, and that was basically exactly where we had left off. The guys had just, just finished that clock with sellers. And so I think we're going to kind of pop right back in here. Uh, and um, But any questions from you guys or anything we want to talk about before we kind of move into the flow of action? No. No, I'm ready. Ready um, to roll. Ready to wield steel and slay foes. Um, yes, yeah, so let's, let's uh, you know, yeah, we come back. The, the roar of the crowd has settled down just a little bit. Uh, in the wake of Rhodes' successful first encounter, which I think was also the first encounter of this Diadem Royale. Perel Three Tide, the, the Gratch Foray pilot, is the, the first to be knocked out. In the VIP booth, Sellers Montag has kind of uh, sat back down uh, alongside you know, some of the other folks in this booth have also sat down. You know, they're starting to chatter amongst themselves once more. You know, some of these folks have started to make bets again. You know, their bets have changed. You know, those who had their money on Perel are now calculating whether or not they can afford to place a new, a different bet on a different winner. Sellers, you know, leans over at some point to whisper something to one of these maroon-clothed attendants who then goes back to, like, the, the bookie with the, you know, this kind of, like, mechanical abacus at the back to take another bet. And I think, you know, maybe our camera turns to the foray board uh, and zooms in uh, until we are kind of in the the holographic landscape of the the diadem arena, this kind of uh, multi-biomed uh, holographic arena that was produced specifically for tonight's tournament. I think when we left off, Rhodes, you had just destroyed the cacophony, Perel Three Tides foray projection, and you were in a a volcanic area with these like lava flows and sulfurous vents around you, a place called the Magma Faults. So maybe we can kind of like zoom in there a little bit to like what's happening on the board before we look back at the the VIP box. So I think yeah, from the magma faults, you know, like I said, this area is cut into five biomes that are all kind of you know I think like really laid out like slices of a pie. Uh, I think I compared it to like a Fortnite map earlier, which has these kind of like really neatly segmented zones, and I think if that's kind of the case here as well. The the two adjacent uh, sections to the magma faults. Right, I think, you know, to the, the the west, whatever that means in this map, right, is uh, the Gunsmoke Peaks, which is like this mountainous area, right? You know, uh, lots of craggy peaks, cliff faces, that kind of thing. Uh, and to the east from here, uh, I think it is the, the Creeping Mire, which is this kind of like bog and swamp area, right? You know, it's like the, the level you hate getting stuck on in a FromSoft <laughs> game. Um, <laughs> A blue uh, of a swamp. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> you take a lot of chip uh, damage there for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe we can just, like I said, you know, I want to keep this thing with Rhodes in the foray match. You know, a little zoomed out, a little like a little bit of a lighter touch, just uh, so that we're not playing out five like blow by blow mech combats in a row. But it's so, like, what is? Um, yeah, totally. The, the smoking wreckage of the cacophony is like uh, sinking into the lava flow near your uh, your foray projection, and I think. Like I said, there was a roar from the crowd just a moment ago, and I think, you know, maybe, like, in the the filmic version of this, right, we would get, like, you know, cutting from, like, the, the roar of the crowd outside to, like, the perspective of Rhodes in the helmet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that there's some kind of, like, noise muffler going on, so you still hear the crowd a little bit. It's not like you're getting only the audio of, of the match, but definitely it's, like, muffled, right? So, like, we get the cut from, like, the real loudness is suddenly, you know, it's like you're, you know... Almost like you're inside a mech, actually, in the way that like this the helmet you're wearing is dampening the, the actual outside noise. Right. And you're being piped in kind of like the the game board noise instead. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, what is which direction is Rhodes gonna head? What is his his game plan from this moment? 
Um, I think just sort of like surveying, I'm imagining in like the, you know, heads up display of the um, actual like foray rig, like in the three screens here, the, I'm calling it the Retarius, like this, um, you know, little borrowed machine, I think still has like that uh, wrist blade, like ignited, just sort of at his side. Surveying, uh, I'm going to do like a quick little scan again to see if there's any other signatures around as I think Rhodes cuts through on uh, like local band of the radio to just say anyone else feeling brave. Yeah, you want to do like a, a scan here? I think this is probably you've you know defeated your immediate com- opponent. Let's say this is like controlled standard effect yeah i'm gonna roll um yeah i think you know you're in a combat i think there's like a danger still here so it's not not unfortunate roll okay so consequence possible consequence possible yep i just don't want to get ambushed so i'm gonna roll this 1d6 and i got a one uh all right that is uh a failure so I think, you know, uh, a failure on a controlled role here, right? Um, I think this is a situation where, you know, maybe like the, the ping goes out, right? And you see like your, your scanners light up. And I think it's unclear to you whether it is interference from like the, the you know, the holographic metals and the magma flow, or it's just that this thing doesn't have the powerful enough sensors. Um, but you don't get anything right away um i think you know but it is it is lighting up uh well it's like lighting up in like a way it's like that's you're you're getting like false results you're not getting like anything right um or you're getting like you know like false results you're not getting like a a sign of a mech nearby but you're also you can tell that it's not an accurate reading because you're getting like maybe like yeah like ghost pings you're getting kind of like the sensors are malfunctioning a little bit and so what i would say here uh on this this uh Failure on a controlled roll, right? Uh, I think Rhodes knows that if you were to uh, gain a little altitude, use the thrusters to go vertical a little bit, get clear of this magma, you might be able to try again by seizing a risky opportunity. Um, or you could, of course, withdraw and try a different approach or action. And just uh, to I'm, I'm saying here. recapping, to the east is the Creeping Mire, to the west was the Gunsmoke Peaks. Yeah, and then I guess like vertically straight across from you on the pie, if you were to head that direction, you could probably get uh, the next clearest, closest one is uh, the, sorry, I'm just going back up to find my dumb names for all of these, uh, is the Ancient Dwellings, which is like a urban environment sort of in the style of like ancient runes. Um, I think I'm going to go west to the Gunsmoke peaks here and start cruising that way i think uh like i don't know what i need to get out of this like magma zone but whether it's like a mobility suite or something to like kind of move quickly through this landscape um i'm gonna push that way and keeping kind of an eye on the horizon i'm looking for movement or like signs of life um so i don't think there's like a role to leave this this area i think you know you're able to kind of pick your way, you know, like, yeah, like boosting over like certain lava flows. And, you know, there's like a, an effect that happens here, right? This kind of display effect where I think like um, there's a kind of a almost, you know, in a very video gamey way, kind of like a definite line you cross over and it's suddenly like the color palette changes a little bit, right? It's like the sky grows from being kind of like this intense red to instead it's kind of like a little bit more gray and washed out as you enter the Gunsmoke Peaks. You know, you get like a palette swap a little bit. I don't think that you're getting, like, environmental music, but if you were, right, this is, like, where it would change. And, uh, you know, I think, yeah, you you move into this this mountainous region. 
as you are starting to make your way into there, I think I want to cut the camera back, and then we'll like cut back to you in just a second as you kind of change change regions. And you get the widescreen shot of like the what is the gladiator name you said the Rotarius? Yeah, Rotarius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get the shot of that this holographic mech, uh, you know, and that. And then we kind of zoom out in a way that's like, ah, we're looking at the screen again in front of Sellers and Desmond and Carta, you know, inside the booth. There's the chatter again of, of, of this group of people, you know, I think uh, Rebus, you hear Rebus' actual voice in the background just, you know, commenting on how, how interesting the game has been so far. So you guys filled the, the sort of the, the friendship clock that we set up uh, earlier in this mission. Uh, which we kind of said would give you an opportunity uh, or an opening to try and make a move on Sellers Montag. So I guess my question is, what's happening in the box right now? Like, you know, you, I think the way this is de- de- depicted, right, is like maybe suddenly Sellers has just like let his guard down a little bit more. You know, he's like ordering drinks for the table and he's like handing things over to you. He's like, just getting a little bit looser and a little bit more comfortable being around you guys than he was earlier in the evening. You know, the kind of exchange you had about the quality of Rhodes' performance earlier and like the kind of like light debate you've had. I mean, he's, he's feeling a little bit more comfortable, a little bit warmer towards you. Has has this warming up to us? It is um, his bodyguard, what's their name? Uh, Python, is he still kind of around or is this warming up? He still is just buying drinks and whatnot. Is he been like, you can, you can, Go or is he still kind of just on top of him? Um, I think so. Python is still there. Python No Eight, this this like uh, robotic guard is still there. But I think yeah, maybe the way we get is that like you know he like cleared like a cushion off near him. And it's like you know motions for one of you to come over and sit like near him or something. And Python tries to stop him, and it's like a moment where he's like, it's fine, it's fine. Don't worry, you know like. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, he like nudges you know Siegfried's elbow and is like him you know, company leash, a little overprotective. You understand. And then he like you know, he gives you a serious look and he says no funny business um, and then he starts laughing at his own joke and uh, takes another drink. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, of course, yes. <laughs> I mean, uh, I do not. Uh, uh, I'm not provided with. I'm not provided with such uh, <laughs> precautions in my line of work, but I understand completely. And so yeah, I think that's the 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 thing you get that tells you that like Python is still there. You know that that bodyguard is still doing his job. But Sellers is kind of like pushing back on his, on like his leash a little bit and is like you know a little bit more free. And so, like I said, I, you know, I think we had originally talked about this idea as like a photo op as like the opportunity you were thinking about taking. It doesn't that have to be that, but like when you're ready to try and do a thing, I think that opportunity is there. I don't know if that is now okay. or if you're yeah, yeah. still waiting on that um, moment. The other thing, do we see where he's keeping the device? Like, is it in a pocket? You saw him put it inside the interior pocket of his interior. jacket. Okay. You know, he's like I said, he's wearing kind of like this like gaudy purple like Western wear suit. Right. Right. So I don't know if there's like a role you guys want to make here yet, or if you know whether that's like actually doing the job, or if that's like a setup of action or something, or if you're still if you if you don't have to yet, you know, you can pull the trigger whenever. I'm just right. curious if that was if you're ready to make that move yet, or if you're still waiting on it. I, I guess. think I'm still waiting. I think that Carter and Des need to kind of figure out exactly what that looks like so i think you know they're talking sellers is talking to someone else maybe gentian or whatever uh and he like pulls you know des over to like a another like snack table or whatever and he goes we gotta get we have to get that jacket off 
There's no way we're going to reach in and be able to just grab that phone without him noting. Or the, you know, hunk of junk that he's with. Yeah, I, I noticed that. I mean, I could try to get in there, but... How about this? Turn up the heat. S- someone spills it. Turn up the heat? That's great. Or spill a drink on it. You guys are going to have to get into a Canadian hockey fight and pull his jersey up over the back. <laughs> drunk, you know, drunk me or drunk you spills a drink on him. Oh, I'm so sorry. Let me get that. I'll clean it up for you. Maybe when we take a photo, you go in for a pose and you spill it on him. I distract him. I'm taking photos, you know, maybe get that jacket off and go wipe it up with some napkins. I don't know. I don't know. We really uh, <laughs> made sure we had our work cut out for us in this one. <laughs> with this plan that we've made. You got to make it look really realistic that, that you're spilling the drink on him. You you well, can't just go over and what if I'm taking dump the... it on him and say, oh, clum- oh, clumsy me. No, 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 no. You really, I mean, if you're going to do this. I don't want to trust you to do this. <laughs> no, I want you to do it. <laughs> you, oh, you want me to do it? I'll, I'll be mm. like taking the photo. You walk up. You spill it on him. We'll be like, oh, shoot, for the picture. Here, take this off real quick. I'll, I'll clean it up. We're going to get a shot. We, we'll still look good. I can, you know, make him feel like he's still. We'll get a strong pose. You don't need the jacket. This is going to be awesome. It'll make the article really, really exciting. You think he, he's not going to be mad at us? He's been buying his drinks all night. He, he might just he might just be really mad and then say, well, you spilled a drink on me. I'm not going to take a picture with you now. He could be. He's <laughs> Sir, are you mad at me? Is there a way that we could turn up the heat? I think I'm, I'm going to look around and see if there's a thermostat in the room. <laughs> Maybe you could hack it or something. Well, also, I don't I don't want to try and do this before the end of the the game. I would say part of your goal is to get it copy it and then if you want to complete the secondary objective get it back on him right so you might want to mm-hmm. your timing wise mm-hmm. okay. you might right. need to get it done before the game right is now. over like right now it actually be a perfect time to do it if you are trying to do like the full both objectives then you will need some time to copy and then return so you might want to think about at the next whoever's eliminated next that's when we'll do it if you can get that heat up make him loosen his tie if anything to make that jacket come off we may use the drink to spill if we need to yeah, uh, so I would say, uh, you know, before we turn back to Rhodes, you know, if, if the heat is like a thing you're interested in, I think, you know, a quick glance around the room shows you, Desmond, that near the door, there is indeed, I think, probably some kind of like, uh, you know, room control device. It's not just the like uh, climate control for this box, probably it's like lighting in the box and, you know, other you know, security features, There's a, you know, a different suite of features there for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is by the door. Uh, however, standing quite close to it is the the attendant, Elodia uh, Marin, the the woman who kind of uh, spoke to you two and introduced you two uh, before you went into the meet and greet. This who kind of seems to be Rebus Actual's go to assistant, um, and so she is there standing with this kind of like electronic, like tablet clipboard thing we've seen her with. Not like guarding it, but she is by it, I think is kind of, um, you know, probably she is the one who, if Rebus says something about it, the, being unhappy with the temperature, she's the one who immediately adjusts it, right? Yeah. Uh, so she's over there. That is the the complication in terms of trying to crank the heat in the room. Um, so I don't know if that is something you want to try and do uh, before we turn the camera back to Rhodes. 
Uh, that's a funny idea. I like it. <laughs> I it's I think it's a lot funnier than spilling something on him. Also, um, yeah, I don't know. I just think that um, he would get mad if we spilled something on him. There's 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 a room for that. But also, this is a lot more complicated, and I think that we should just go with that um, more more complicated uh, path always. Um, so I, I got a distractor somehow. I could tell her I'm open to. You're gonna have to get that flirt on. Um, ideas. Oh no 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 no! <laughs> I'm gonna tell her like like. You uh, said the more complicated there's, path. There's uh, that is the only thing I really have though. I can sway with uh, guile, wit, and charm. Well, sway. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think if you you can get her to move away from it, probably adjusting it is not that difficult. Um, but also if you're trying to do it you know, while she's there, then probably some kind of subterfuge or like sneaking is, is going to be required in some way. Something that, yeah, like you said, distracts her. But I'm, I'm I got to turn it off, but then but I have to make it also so that it can't be turned back down. True. Mm-hmm. You have no weapons. You got a pen. Well, yeah, you, have, uh, you have tools and supplies. That's still open to you. Um, I do have tools and supplies, yes. Uh, and you have two extra load of supplies and gear, I think also enough from your new mm-hmm. Uh Supplies, I could bribe her. You could try and bribe her. That'd be a, a wild mode, but I'm, I'm not against it. Yeah, yeah. that's a fun sway. That seems yeah, yeah. insane. All right, yeah, I'm gonna bribe her to be like, "Hey, listen, here's some money. Just turn up the heat and don't let anybody else turn it back down." Um, <laughs> okay, that this should work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna try and do that. Fuck it, why not? Yeah, so give me a little bit of color here. Like, what does I'm this look like? I'm really cold. What does this look like exactly? Like, how does how does uh, Siegfried approach and make this request? Uh, I think he just walks up and he goes like, "What's her name again?" Elodia. Uh, so I I walk up to Elodia. And you're like, "Excuse me, ma'am. Elodia, uh, was it?" Elodia Marin. How can I help you, sir? I'm so sorry. I'm just dr- dreadful to to bring this uh, to your attention, but I was just wondering. Could you perhaps turn up the heat to a very hot temperature? You see, I'm just not used to. <laughs> um, I've just come from down. I've just come from down in the valley, and it's you know these slightly higher elevation is just it's just too cold. And I was wondering if you could turn it up and don't turn it back down whatsoever. And I mean really hot and like. And I think that I'm like maybe just slip slipping a like little credit. What? How? What? Do we, do we have paper money. We have paper money in a Coronatus, Yeah. 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 So I'm slip. I'm slipping a couple drachma uh, into her palm as I say this. Maybe with like a little wink. Yes. Okay. Or how much? Or however much a bribe is. Uh, so a bribe is one load uh, per each, and it also yeah. uh, it takes a a point of a supply point to to utilize. Sounds good. Uh, so you're you're marking a bribe. Um, I'll I'll take one of your material. I reckon away. Okay. Uh, this feels or maybe maybe personnel. Maybe it's probably personnel, right? This is like like petty cash. Put on the company card. What is the role on this? This is this is definitely you're using sway. We said right. Yeah. I think that this is still pretty low stakes. Uh, all things considered, you haven't asked her to do something that's like dangerous or deadly or like really truly against her. Uh, her moral principles, per se. Uh, so I think this is controlled with a standard effect. 
Yeah, do you want to give me... I mean, you can push yourself here, of course. You could take a Devil's Bargain. What would be the Devil's Bargain? Devil's Bargain, in this instance, is... Oh, I'm just going to tick another segment on this mystery clock. On what? On which clock? There's a four-segment mystery clock right now. Uh, it's the one that's maybe Ooh, tied oh, to yeah. what it, whatever praying this... Uh, this cleric is doing. So you don't know exactly what that's going to look like or what that'll mean when that completes. Uh, but I'll take one segment on it uh, if you want an extra dice right now. Mm, I don't know. I don't. That mystery clock is scary to me. I don't want that, I don't want that <laughs> clock to get ticked. Um, so you can definitely push yourself. Uh, Carta could also assist you here. Yeah, Carta, would you, would you be so kind as to assist me in this? Yeah. Yeah, sure. I, too, am also so, so, so cold. <laughs> Maybe you're talking to Rebus or something, like pulling your attention away. Yeah, yeah. How are you? So this is also going to cost you two stress, Carta, because you have two connections with Desmond. I have two stress for this. You can, you can afford it. You'll be able to give him two benefits, so you can give him an extra dice and also give him increased effect. All right. Hmm. How do I do this? I'm, because do you want me to distract her so that she goes and does something else? No, I'm just going to tell her to turn it up and, like, hey, un- under no circumstances, if someone tells you, hey, turn it down, just say it's broken. And so how is Carter helping you here? Is this distracting other people in the room? Yeah, he's distracting the rest of the room. He's, like, saying, like, hey, everybody, get together for a uh, picture. Why don't you? Yeah. Sure. So I'm going over and talking to her while he is distracting everybody else so that they, they don't they don't suspect anything. I'm talking to one of the other, uh, the attendants, guards, whatever, in Maroon and doing a little interview of, like, I also want to know, for this, this whole story, you know, building the whatever tale that I'm telling, that I want to hear what it's like for the people who work here, day in, day out. What is it like? Because you guys are the ones who really keep this kind of event together. There are, you know, gamblers are a, a dime a dozen, but there's only a few people who are trusted to work here. So <laughs> would you mind telling me about this? While, and then walking some of the other guards who are maybe around there to, to the corner, getting to sit down to talk to me. You know, oh, don't worry, don't worry. It will only take a second. Things are under control over here, you know. Yeah. So I think it's it's dis- distracting them and kind of jumping back and forth so that anyone else who might have a eye on her is actively not. Cool. So let's let's call that increased position or sorry, increased effect and an extra dice. So that is that'll be controlled great effect. Uh, two dice to start, unless you also want to push yourself, Malcolm. I'll stick with the two dice. All right. Uh, let's let's roll those bones. Four. All right. On a on a four, four is definitely a success. She's going to do it. And yeah, we didn't talk about it this way, but I I realize in this moment this is kind of a setup action. Uh, and so I think that your success here will give you an increased like better position or effect on your 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 next roll to try and actually do the the deed to try and steal the thing from him. Because that's kind of what you're doing, right? Is you're, you're giving yourself a better setup for when you, you make the move. Uh, and so I think she agrees to do it. You know, she she palms the money from you. Uh, but I'll make a clock here. Because right? I think she tells you she will do it. You know, I'll do this. But if he, and she kind of, you know, motions her head towards Rebus Actual. If he tells me to change it, I cannot say no. Oh, I understand. Anyone else? It doesn't matter. But if he makes the order. And so I'm going to make a, a four-segment clock here real quick, uh, which is like Rebus's heat tolerance. Yeah, Rebus uh, is getting too hot. So. Yeah. <laughs> that is one sweat. That is a frog in a hot pan. Or what, what is it? Like a boiling pot of water? It's a lot. It's, it's a lot. Urban myth. Yeah, they'll jump out. Of course. The frog's like, this is so fucking hot. So, yeah, Rebus heat tolerance is this four-segment clock. It's going to start out... 
I guess once it fills, or once all four segments of this clock have been ticked, uh, it's too hot for the frog, and you will lose this kind of bonus that you have given for yourself. Okay. Um, right. So you have a kind of like a, a ticking clock here for how long speed, but like, you know, I think you turn it on, and, you know, as you settle back into your seats uh, to continue watching the match, you know, uh, you can start to see, you know, like the camera zooms in on like the telltale bead of sweat starting to roll down Sellers' forehead. Um, and so this will be taking effect shortly. Desmond is staring directly at the side of his forehead, an inch away from it, watching the sweat beat down and going, yes. I'm comfortable. Are you comfortable? Mm, very good. <laughs> yeah, I'm bringing over the various spicy pepper dips that they have provided. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank, thanks, thanks for uh, tuning into Risky Standard where you have hot, hot action of uh, messing with the thermostat. Every- <laughs> <laughs> the most exciting role-playing game on the, the internet. The gang messes with the thermostat and gets a frog real sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> we're not afraid to do it. Other podcasts out there terrified to do to do what we're doing. They wouldn't touch this content with a 10-foot pole because it's exciting. All right, now, now back to the actual exciting part of the game. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah. You know, as we, we turn our camera back to the the hollow table, right? You know, the, the screens around the arena flashing to show different images of the pilots. I think we see, you know, maybe there's like a, you know, a, a, a scream or a yell in the crowd as we see two of the other combatants have met in one of the other areas. But uh, in the Gunsmoke Peaks, it's quiet. We get the shot of uh, Rhodes' machine, Rhodes' projection moving through. Kind of the, the the valleys and the the hollows of this this mountain range, uh, and I think yeah yeah let's just start off right. The, the way that this happens is you know I think uh, uh, again I've been playing a lot of Armored Core Six right, so I imagine there's like a like this like kind of warning beep gives the roads just enough time to like boost out of the way before there is a explosion of rock and dust uh, where the the mech had been standing a moment ago. Uh, and there is just the faintest blue wisp of energy still kind of dissipating in the, the trail that it has punched through um, from a, a distant peak. And against all of this, like, kind of like a slate gray, like these cliffs uh, and peaks, uh, I think you can see off in the distance, like I said, the, you know, the, the plasmic vapor still rising from the squared off barrel of her rifle. Um, there is a, a bright red, sleek mech in kind of a, a half crouch, right? Uh, like in a marksman's position. Uh, and I think you would recognize immediately seeing the projection during the meet and greet and you and kind of your research. This is Sunder Fairside. She is a member of the Commonwealth Military Unit known as the Golden Bayonets. So she's the one other person that you know for sure in this battle uh, is like also an actual mech pilot, not just a foray player. Uh, and she has, has caught Rhodes in her sights and is firing this kind of like plasma launcher rifle from, uh, like I said, like, uh, you know, this kind of like peak that's like a good distance away, you know, like a vertically, you know, like I said, I think you're kind of in the middle of like a dip or a valley here. Um, and so she's, you know, up on this hill off in the distance, you know, and I think, you know, we were cutting between, you know, these kind of like game board shots that we're seeing the action, you know, as if we were seeing real mechs and then cutting to... You know, the crowd view of, like, the game board below and, like, the big screens that are, you know, cutting to different camera angles of this fight. And so, yeah, Rhodes, you you've uh, you didn't get hit with the first shot, right? You're, you're 
but you're on alert. Yeah. And you know that she's already sighting you. The next shot is just a moment away. Um, yeah. It's kind of about what you do. Uh, you know, how does Rhodes from a distance try and, uh, you know, how do you handle the situation? Totally. I think to, to set scene a little bit, like in my mind, these like gun smoke peaks are, you know, uh, like we talked, like kind of slate gray peaks and valleys. I'm imagining there's also kind of like a snaking, like oxbow river, kind of like at the valley, you know, at the very bottom of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This area connects to the twisting riverlands. So sure, that's like kind of like the transitional mm-hmm. uh, kind of zone. And I think where Rhodes is standing, where that first uh, like volley of like plasma fire singes the rock, uh, is on like the edge of a cliff where like this waterfall drops down into this valley. And I think um, this is kind of like fast cut, right? Is like, I'm going to mark um, another vehicle gear here on like a fine mobility suite uh, on the Rotarius. Um, so is this a... Or at the very the least... fine a, mobility suite... Yeah, that's, a, that's my... Is something that the Redshift has. I guess, is this utilizing... Are you activating this like... Because uh, we talked about you had this like, kind of like secret trigger to like reveal that you're, you have the, the Redshift coded in, right? Yeah, and I'm not doing that yet. I think this is just going to be a regular... Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of failed that role, right? So, like, how many you do? How, uh, you tell me if that flashback actually grants me some of the redshifts vehicle gear. I think if you act once you reveal that, like once you flick that switch, you will have access to all of the redshifts vehicle gear. Ooh, okay. Um, no, this isn't that. What that, what that negative, what that, what that kind of like low roll on that it means is that like I'm thinking about that when it comes time for like complications. I think this is n- I, I, not yet, uh, and I think I'm just going to mark a mobility suite, and uh, I think like the kind of like booster on the back just like fires off uh, over this cliff, over the waterfall. I think dropping you know a number of stories splash, you know like column of water shoots up, and I think fast cut is like. Uh, the redshift is like crisscrossing this river, right? Like even almost like skating on the water uh, as I think like volley after volley kind of is just um, near missing. Do you want me to roll for that? Or am I cool to keep jiving here? Um, I mean, it's, it's like, what's the end game for you here? How are you trying to kind of end this encounter? And then we can... I think as um, the projection is like crisscrossing this river, uh, I'm closing the distance between me and Fairside until the point that I have some like good visibility. And I think on one of these like kind of mobility suite crosses, uh, I'm going to loose like another volley of rockets from this missile rack. Like, I think it would ostensibly look like, you know, vertical launch. Uh, you probably hear like the, you know, like radar ping as it's like, like getting closer, you know, to the target. But last second is not targeting Fairside. It's targeting like the, bluff that Fairside is like positioned on uh and i'm gonna topple try to like destabilize wherever Fairside is like crouched right now oh nice uh so what 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 vehicle action do you want to like encompass this uh this kind of exchange with i guess i'm gonna hit it with like bombard i have nothing in bombard battle i think is too close quarters this could be about maneuverability about dodging those shots to get close enough to do the thing yeah because i guess it's really Let's, let's, are you cool? Uh, I'll, I'll pull maneuver. Yeah, I think maneuver, uh, so I think if it's maneuver, I'm saying that this is, this is risky standard, right? You're, you're not like totally out of your depth. You're doing something you're 
good at doing as a pilot or like maneuverability. It's like a, a, a Mark of Rhodes' skills. Yep. And this is this is like vehicle combat. So I think this is risky standard to start. Um, so that's two dice for a maneuver. Of course, this, the usual options here, right, in terms of uh, pushing yourself or taking a devil's bargain. What's a devil's bargain look like? Oh, buddy. Uh, I'm going to tell you because you already know it is that I'm going to take that mystery clock. Mystery clock? And that's at two of four right now? That's at two of four right now. Uh, and that would improve effect or give me an extra die. That would give you an extra dice. I'll roll the two. I'm just going to take it. I think since it's maneuver, I think this is more of like crisscrossing these like missiles fire off and I'm going to try to like push through and flank as like the rubble falls kind of behind me here. Five. Um, so on a five here on a risky, uh, I think the first thing we're going to do is we're going to take two segments on uh, your via- your temporary vehicle clock. Okay. Because I think uh, as you're crisscrossing back and forth across the river and she's taking these shots at you, you know, this she's firing this like plasma rifle. It's firing these kind of like corrosive globs, right, of, of plasma that like, you know, they hit the, the water and it's scalding steam immediately. But they're not like beams and they're not, you know, shells or anything like that. Um, they have like... As they fire, they almost kind of uh, expand a little bit. It's like they're like globs of plasma that uh, she hits near you, but doesn't actually hit you directly. You still get like burns and uh, you take like, you know, whole damage as from these like close calls as you uh, make your way uh, across the battlefield. Like molten glass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. That's a good one, too. Right. Is Yeah. Like as it's like uh, hitting this like uh slates kind of earthen material it's yeah it's like pitching it up as like shards of obsidian that have been melted and like hyper cooled almost instantly and so you're you're taking all this chip damage basically and you know you you make your way close in that way you fire off the missiles to to kind of start this rock slide going uh it is like taking up the footing underneath this kind of like mech that is like not really built for for mobility right it's like, you know, something that's been designed all about just like, you know, I think you can see there is like a, um, as you get closer to close the distance, right? My, this is, this is a stiletto model mech, uh, is the name I have for it. And I think like the aesthetic touchstone I have in mind for this compared to like a lot of what else we've seen from the Commonwealth, which is like more like heavy industrial machinery. This thing looks like a, like a Lamborghini, right? Like the Lamborghini of Mexico sports car, right? You know. Right? It is like... Spindly Almost and like smooth. fiberglass. Yeah. Yeah. And right. And I think that there is this like huge bulky generator in the torso, right? That is like uh, attached via coils directly to this big bulky plasma rifle um, that she's been firing at you. And so I think, you know, we, as you are in the air and these missiles start raining down, we get her, you know, uh, looking up at you. And firing one last shot. And maybe this is like what really seals the, these two ticks of damage on the thing, right? Is like she gets one and it's not a perfect hit again because like the the ground is literally crumbling underneath her mech's feet as she takes this last shot. Uh, so she scores like a blow on you with this plasma rifle. Uh, and then the, the mountain gives way beneath her and this, you know, this shiny sports car of a mech is just kind of torn apart by the forces of, like, the, the tumbling rock and the fall. It's not built for impact. And, you know, we're hearing, like, the tumbling of the rocks and the avalanche. 
Uh, and that sound kind of merges into the sound of the crowd cheering as we kind of come out again. And, you know, the, the boards light up all across the arena as, you know, we get like a, a you know, it's like a like six, you know, headshots of all of the pilots and Perel three tied is crossed out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and now the, the, the young Victorian woman, Sunder Fairside, her portrait is also like X'd out with a big red X across it. I'm sure we get like a cut to, you know pilot in the rig just being like oh fuck no you know like throwing down the thing yeah we definitely get the gundam yeah like yeah like you know she's screaming at you um just like you know a real gamer moment like meltdown right uh and then you know the shot in the arena i think she takes off her vr helmet and like throws it on the ground as her seat starts to lower beneath the arena again and you know what i think uh another thing that happens uh, at the same time, or not at the same time, but actually like really closely right afterwards, right? And I think we get this is like a, this is probably a display that lights up on Rhodes' dash as well. Like you get this information too, I think. Mm-hmm. But we get that and we get on the board at the same time. You know, as the kind of uproar from the crowd is happening, uh, you know, over the course of this fight and about this fight, that just swells and, you know... It's like we're getting screens that are still showing the kind of defeat of Sunder Fairside, and then they have to cut immediately to the... The other skirmish out here? Yeah, to, to the ancient dwellings is where they cut to, to this like urban environment full of like ancient kind of like uh, first era ruin recreations. Uh, and we get a shot of the, you know, the ceramic white Caesura unit of Palace again. Uh, it is drawing a like this long sword out of the hole of the uh, a, a unit we didn't get to see. This quadrupedal mech called the Onager, which was Yorn Fullshrift's cybernetically augmented like drone carrier mech. But yeah, Palace again is there, and he's yeah like from the cockpit, right, removing the full length of this blade, and at the same time that you know like quick succession after like. Sunder Fairside has been eliminated. We get the announcers again. I'm like, oh, they're, you know, dropping like flies, folks. We've got Sunder Fairside eliminated by the the dark horse of this competition, Rhodes Rampart. Uh, but we're also seeing Yorn Fullshrift has been defeated by Palace again, the Concordat pilot. Uh, and so there are now only three competitors left. Rhodes Rampart, Palace again, and Cormac Kalis, the... Kyrop Terran, who had, uh, I believe you remember, a badge on him with a, a symbol of a one-eyed bat over a moon. And so, yeah, we get those kind of in quick succession, right? Like, that the, the, the field has changed in this way. And, uh, you know, I think uh, I kind of want to like, keep cutting back and forth here, keeping, like, a light touch on this. Yeah. Let me get one last liner in on, on like, the local band. I think, you know, uh, Rhodes, like, after that announcement, and it's, like, you know, Cormac and... Uh, Cormac Kalis and Palace again and Rhodes Rampart still in and whatever I think like the you know Rhodes is at least like internal monologue and probably on some kind of short band is like you know the ruins of the old empire and the fresh flame of the new interesting okay (laughs) (laughs) well 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 this is quite the event we are loving what we're seeing tonight two pilots out at almost the exact same time now that is something (laughs) that is really really something to see what an evening. In the VIP box, things are getting hot. Uh, I'm going to take a segment on this uh, Rebus actual heat tolerance clock because it has warmed up dramatically in the room. 
That bead of sweat on Sellers Montag's face has been joined by several others. Uh, he has loosened his, his bolo tie and undone the top snap of his shirt. And I think, uh, you know what, you you succeeded on that, that role earlier. Um, partially, yeah, not partially, it was a success at a, con- at a consequence, at a cost. But you succeeded on that role earlier, and so I think, you know, I don't think we have to, like dance around it too much. I think he does. You know, maybe without thinking, maybe it's because the drinks have been flowing. Uh, it's the excitement of these two two victories, one after, you know, these two defeats, one after another, you know, two contestants out. I think he jumps up, he's clapping with everyone else, you know, at the the success that you guys have seen thus far uh, on the on the battlefield. And I think he, sh- he sh- shrugs off his jacket, right? Uh, he shrugs his jacket off. And doesn't like throw it, obviously, but he's not thinking about it too much because he just kind of shrugs it off and then like one hand in the collar puts it right behind him, like draped over the the seat behind him. Well within his, not, not really in his sight, it's behind him, but it's uh, well still within the sight of Python No8, but not to like, he doesn't hand it to him, right? He just kind of puts it on the, on the seat behind him. But he can see it. He, the uh, Python is... Python's there. I can't just dig into his jacket right now. Like he would, Python would definitely see it, right? Um, I, you know, that would be the role, right? I, that's the the, cons- okay. the potential consequences. I, you know, I don't think Python's like eyes only on the jacket, right? Because I think he's also just as much like Python's keeping his eyes on Sellers, right? But the jacket is off Sellers' body. Um, that is, I think, like the uh, improved kind of a uh, position or effect that you are gonna kind of get in this way, in that way, right? Is like um. You don't have to take it off. Like you don't have to pickpocket him while he's wearing it anymore. Um, at least not in this moment. Maybe getting it. Okay. Maybe doing the replacement later. You might have. You know, we'll see what happens, right? But mm-hmm. uh, he has taken okay. the jacket off and has kind of put it. Yeah, like uh, kind of draped over the cushion behind him. It's such a casual gesture for him, but like, of course, you both clock it immediately, right? Yeah. Uh, it is yes. like a, like a you know, like a neon sign flashing. Like, look at what's happened. And yeah, the crowd you know, in the booth is excited. People are, are hooting and hollering. Um, I think a few of the other people in the group also are kind of like coming over here now. There's a little bit more of a crowd coming around where you're at, Siegfried. And I think that this uh, this Cairo, Cairo-Terran, uh like gangster with this kind of like high-collared cloak, uh, Lambeau Rodor, I think his name is, uh, who we saw earlier, he's been sitting by Rebus Actual, but he comes over here too, right? Just like the the Chiropteran pilot in this match, uh, this guy, you know, he's wearing this like kind of like black Chiropteran, like kind of traditional cloak, but it has this badge with the stylized black bat over a white moon with a, a white X over one eye, and he he uh, slaps a, a hand on your shoulder as he kind of like sidles up, and a few, I think, other people are doing this too, right? Like so the, the crowd is kind of moving to this side of the room a little bit more, uh, but you know, Lambeau Rodor, I think, slaps a hand on your shoulder, and he says. Might have a bit more gumption than we all thought you did. Your pilot's doing pretty well out there. Um, y- yeah. <laughs> I think uh, he's definitely nervous right now, and he's trying to stay focused on the task at hand, but he just cannot help but try and get a little bit of information right now. Sure. About, I mean, he already knows who he works for. Need to at least know what what is the name of the organ- this organization, who is is this person that I'm talking to important at all? Maybe we could set up a deal later. I could get closer to this organization somehow. I think this is this is a really good in, and so I'm going to basically I don't know. I'm going to ask him about himself. 
What's your favorite? Co- what's your favorite color? Yeah, <laughs> it's like Rhodes Rampart, most cracked pilot in in the whole ring. You know, a lot, a lot of people think that the ring is, is just about politics. And it's uh, boring, and there's meetings. And we all have to share the same toothbrush. <laughs> but really, it's quite exciting. <laughs> I guess um I I don't want to like role play it too much or get into it, but you know um I just want to know like um who is he. Who 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 does he represent? Uh, what like what's what gang is he in? What's the name of the gang? Yeah, I want to know all that stuff. Um, am I gonna have to roll for it? Probably yeah, for sure. Yeah. For yeah, it, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, this is I, I'll give you this though. I think it's a controlled roll. I don't think that you know this is a risky thing, but you know there's there's clocks ticking now, right? Time is of the essence, and you're taking time away from the test. So I think this is a controlled roll, uh, and at the same time, I just want to like hit that note. Uh, Carta, Gall, sorry, Gall Teller, uh, you know, you see the jacket come off and you see the crowd kind of thicken around you guys. And I think you can even see, right, because people are coming over to like congratulate you or like, you know, like kind of jibe you guys about Rhodes. Uh, you know, Python is kind of like losing, you know, there's more people here than he can like adequately like prevent, keep a space around sellers, right? There's kind of like a little bit of a, a tumult here. I think in all of this, you see, right, Des turns towards this other Chiropteran and starts talking to him instead. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, just that's, that's just there. That's just a, a note I want to hit. But, so, yeah, what is this uh, role for you, Des? It's got to be Consort. Consort? Uh, what you got in Consort? Zero. Zero? This is controlled. So, uh, out the gate, you are rolling two dice and taking the lowest results. You can always push yourself. I could always always for you a devil's bargain. I know what the devil's bargain is, and I'm not going to do that. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to put anything on the line right now. I'm just going to roll and hope for the best. That's a two. So, not good. So what? So you're not getting much here, right? I think literally anything is is better than nothing at, at, at this particular junction. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think because you're not going to get much, but I'll give you like something here, right? Uh, you know, he, he of course he reintroduces himself. So he didn't get like the proper nurse before. But he's Lambo Rador. I'm a business person out of New Rivalo, and he you know kind of gestures to his badge. Uh, Night Flyers. We're kind of a community organization. <laughs> Don't really get into the same kind of work you all do. I see. Uh, and so that is a still that that two is a failure on this roll, right? And so I am going to. Take one more segment on this mystery clock. God damn it. Uh, that is the consequence here. It's one segment. So that clock's not done yet. Okay. Uh, oh, I thought still... it was done already. No, no, no. There's one more segment still to go. Okay. So you got room to play. But okay. the way that that is reflected, and, you know, we could maybe start calling this mystery clock something more like, uh, you know, like uh, Almeric Yet's ritual, maybe, is a word. Mm. Okay. She's off in the corner still. She has not joined the uproar celebrating her champion or yours. Her board, or her like vision, you know, her like viewer screen is still turned to so kind of like default follow palace again. But her eyes are closed. And she is still, you know, kind of in this this muttered incantation, this kind of like muttered repetitive prayer. And I think I mentioned before she has these kind of like runic circuit style tattoos coming out of her sleeves and like kind of like the neck of her robes um, which you've seen on a few concordat individuals before and these have like a little glow to them not like bright enough to like catch the eye but like if you do glance over you can see you know that they're almost like almost like they're like 
hot, right? They've got like given off like a light. So something's going on there. Um, yeah, that is what I think you are able to get from Lambeau Rador. And then I think before you can kind of push any further, he kind of gets he gets swept up, and the, you know, Gentian Net butts in to say something to him, and the 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 thread of conversation breaks there, um, and he's kind of lost in the shuffle of people who are all. You know, everyone wants to say something to you about what happened with Rhodes just now. And so there's kind of a cluster of folks around here. But the jacket is off. Okay, I yeah. So I think I'm going to take my jacket off and say, boy, it sure is hot in here. Take I take my jacket off. I put it over his jacket, right? And then I go, ah, I'm just going to go see what I can do. I'm going to go talk to her and see if I can do something about this. And I'm going to pick up my jacket along with his jacket and walk away with it. <laughs> okay. I think I can get away with that. I can make it at least look like an innocent um, mix-up. Or I'm going to I'm gonna put my jacket next to his and then just pick up his jacket and walk away. Mm, interesting. Okay. And I think having, you know, since we're the only two really paying attention to that jacket as far as, you know, we can really tell. I think seeing this out of the corner of my eye... Carter knows that he needs to get eyes of Python and Sellers somewhere else. And I think this is a chance for him to be like, kind of point at, uh, what's your name? The, the Almeric yet, right? Yeah. I think it's like, what's, what's going on over here? This is, is this even allowed? Are you allowed to do this? What the, you know, uh, is she cheating? Is this allowed? You know, the rules, you know, and, uh, try to get him riled up uh, or get Sellers riled up. And maybe even try to like move them that way so that maybe even trying to get into like some kind of comfort, like kind of confrontation so that Python also walks with us as he thinks he might need to like. Is this like a, an assist on on the role Malcolm's going to make here? Is that the. Let's let's call it an assist and see where that goes from there. And if I need to make another role in like really moving them away and confrontation with Almeric yet, you know, yeah, we can go from there. But yeah, let's call it assist right now. So I'm taking two more stress then. Two more stress because uh, you care about each other more. So it costs a little bit more now. But you get to give him better position and effect. I only have two stress left, boyos. Oh, you're getting close. I think it should be, I, I think it should be fine. Yeah, hopefully. So the guy who took all yeah. four stress. So what is this? this looks, I, I think I know what this looks like to me, but I'm curious what you what move you think you're doing here, uh, Desmond. Oh, it's definitely finesse. Yeah, I agree. I think finesse makes the most sense. Yep. So I would say right now, I think from your setup action before, this is already, this is great effect. This is risky, great effect. But I think because Carta is assisting you, you can increase the position here and take another die. So we could put this at controlled, great effect. Controlled, great, and an extra die. And an extra die, yeah. So that puts you at three dice to start unless you want to push or take any kind of devil's bargain here. No, I, I like my chances with three. Oh, it's a four. Ooh. All right. That's two fours and a two. It's two fours and a two. Yeah, I think maybe it's time to just pull the trigger on it. So I think the way that this works, Desmond, you get the coat. Get it clean. Uh, because Carta starts making a distraction, like, what's going on over here, right? And it works. Sellers looks that way. The other betters look that way. Rebus Actual looks that way. And so does the bodyguard, Python. Just like a flick of the wrist, like, a, you know, you don't draw any suspicion to yourself as you pull the coat. Are you taking the full coat with you, or are you just grabbing the phone out of it? You succeeded. I'm, I, I like, uh, you know, fiction-wise, I'm open to what you want to have done here. Can I just take, I mean, like yeah, I guess I, I, I'm going to take, I'm going to take the full coat. Yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah. Because then I can make it look like a, an innocent accident at that, at, you know, at that point. 
But if I just grab the phone from it and then I have to put it the, it back in his pocket, I can just keep it in there. I can walk up. I can start the transfer as soon as I get it in my hands. And then by the time I put it back down, I'll have everything I need. Yeah. So yeah, I think you're able to, yeah, you pick it up and you move past them. You're moving towards the back of the room, right? Yes. And so you cross towards the back of the room. Um, you know, you're almost to the, the door. You can get out into the hallway if that's where you're trying to go or out. You know, you like, you're making your way towards the back of the room. And successfully, uh, Carta has drawn everyone's attention towards Almeric Yet, who's kind of off in the, you know, kind of has been secluded in like the, the side of this room or this viewing box, this balcony area, and has been doing this, this prayer, this chant for a little while. And uh, I am going to, uh, as a consequence here, tick the final segment of the mystery clock. Then what happens is this. Uh, Carta, you draw everyone's attention to Almeric Yet, and... Uh, she stops chanting, but she's holding, like I said, this this glass pendant that has this kind of swirling, like swirling quicksilver substance inside of it. And she's been holding that this whole time, but it, I think as she's holding it now, it's not held in her hands. It's almost kind of levitating in between her open palms. You know, I think she opens her eyes and stands looking at all of you, um, and her eyes are glowing with this like a, you know faintly luminous uh, kind of iridescence to them. This, this oracalcum shine that we've seen before. And I think she mutters, you know, so quiet under the roar of the crowd, but I think you hear her perfectly. Something like, Builder, protect me. And then she seizes this glass pendant in her hand and hurls it onto the floor in front of her. And what happens next, I think, happens over the span of a moment. But this pendant shatters on the ground of the balcony in front of her. And out of it comes this, this liquid metal, this quicksilver substance that in a moment's time grows and spreads up and outwards until it has kind of traced a like kind of perfect oval in the air starting at the ground right where she's thrown it and like up to you know uh the height of a person until it has formed yeah this sort of shivering oval you know uh, like mirror of this quicksilver substance floating in the center of the room there and then that mirror trembles and shudders, right? Like uh, ripples in a pond as a figure steps out from within it. The, the quicksilver substance like clinging to this person's form as they step forward through this mirror on the balcony. And as the figure fully emerges from this mirrored portal, that portal kind of disperses behind them, like clinging to them and then moving on to them. And now there's someone there on the balcony that wasn't there before. And the person that you see is uh, a synthetic person, uh, a machine person. I think you notice immediately, Carta, you're the one who's closest, right? You see it first. Uh, you notice immediately that this person, their their physical frame, you know, their 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 build is very similar to Rhodes's. It's this like armored plating over cabled musculature. It is like this faceplate with the vertical slit of light, except where all of that plating, you know, is kind of like this dull metal on Rhodes. Uh, on this person, it's been replaced with the, what we recognize now is this kind of like trademark white ceramic armor of the Concordat. And that ceramic armor is shot through with cracks branching all across it. Cracks that are like, even as this person is standing there, filling with the shimmering quicksilver substance of that mirror portal. Um, the, like the image that jumps to mind for me is like the, the Japanese kind of pottery repair technique. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Kintsugi. 
Uh, it's like that, but it's, you know, white ceramic and quicksilver. Person, he's wearing a flowing white cloak also, right? It's like dragging against the ground as he steps from this portal. Bolted onto the back of his head, aesthetically in the style I, I have in mind is like these like Byzantine style halos, right? You know, these oh, flat yeah. golden mm-hmm. discs. Like an icon. Uh, he has that, Hell but it's yeah. the seven spoked wheel. Shit, you um, fuck. Quite an entrance. You know, a voice emerges from his mouth uh, as he begins to speak, and it, like, pierces the room. It spreads out. It quiets the crowd around you when he speaks. I am the intercessor, Hyacinth Corin. I represent the Order of the Oculi, who act with the Hierophant's authority to pursue matters of divine justice. And two, the two armed security guards that Rebus had here are already moving into action. Um, they've drawn their pistols, uh, and you know, as one of them lifts and goes to fire, he does, he pulls the trigger, he fires the gun. This person, the intercessor, raises one hand, and a, sort of a, another one of these shimmering mirrored portals kind of appears in the front of his palm, right where the, the bullet from this, this heavy hand cannon that's fired goes. And another one of these portals kind of materializes on the other side of him, and the bullet emerges and strikes the other security guard takes him out immediately and it's like with a flick of the wrist that the other guard is through some fundamental means hurled against the wall against the side of this balcony box okay this seems like cheating <laughs> and he step takes another step forward you know one foot on the railing of the balcony you know the crowd around in the box looking at him i think rebus actual uh, has already started to move back towards the door kind of protected and covered by this kylaxian this rocks person who is who is like Standing in between him and this newcomer, uh, and this newcomer, the intercessor says, standing on the balcony of the the box, I am here seeking the heretic Rhodes Rampart, the destroyer of Feldspar, and a desecrator of sacred relics. And I think, uh, barring any other inter- interruption, he steps forward off the balcony, right? Like one like long stride forward off the balcony and into the arena to land square on the the center of the foray board. And I think from your perspective, Rhodes, so you're probably not hearing all of this, but you're hearing a voice suddenly that you haven't been hearing before, but it's like muffled through the thing that you're getting, right? But it is is as if suddenly the you know the shins of a giant have emerged and appeared into the the holographic landscape <laughs> of the game board, right? It's suddenly like, there's a towering giant. You can just see, yeah, like the legs going up into like the, the digital cloudscape. And he says, having landed, your life is forfeit, Rhodes. Your crimes are unforgivable. You will return what you have stolen and you will perish at my hands. Uh, and he reaches into his cloak uh, and he pulls out a weapon that I think looks uh, in shape uh, and make very much in my mind like a like a flintlock or a wheel lock pistol, right? This kind of big, ornate, heavy uh, kind of like pistol. Uh, except probably the places where it would be wood, it is instead the same white ceramic that his armor is made of. And he levels it at the pod that Rhodes is sitting in, and he pulls the trigger. All light, or not all light, but all color drains out of the room for a moment, right? Uh, and all sound, too. The, the screams and the murmur of the crowd kind of vanish away into nothing. All color drains out of the room. It is like we are suddenly in like a negative photo of the place that we have been in. Black and white, save for a thin blue beam of light 
tracing the way from the end of this barrel to the the chest plate of Rhodes sitting in the the cockpit. And then all at once, the sound and the color return to the room. They rush in, and at the same time, there is a roar from this this gun, and that thin blue needle becomes a, a bursting blue beam of fundamental energy. Uh, and Rhodes, you are going to take the level three harm devastated uh, <laughs> as the beam leaves a cratering, smoking hole uh, sort of in the center of your torso. Uh, you can resist that if you'd like, but this is, I think I should say, uh, your rival, Hyacinth Corin, uh, intercessor for the Order of the Oculi. And a fun thing about rivals in Beam Saber is that they can make a move at any time. They don't have to respond to your roles to inflict consequences, which is what's happening here. He is he's doing damage to you right now. You're taking a level three harm. Uh, that's before you resist or mark any armor. But that is the kind of the announcing move of our friend Hyacinth Corin. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm going to make an eight-segment clock, which is Hyacinth Corrin's challenge clock. And whenever a rival shows up in a mission, uh, they get, at the very least, an eight-segment clock representing them uh, during that. And that is what needs to be filled to, like, defeat them or to stop them during this mission. But you cannot kill them uh, unless you spend drive clocks to do so. The most you can do is fill this clock to kind of take them out for this mission. So Rhodes, you're taking the level three damage devastated. Would you like to resist that? Would you like to mark armor? Um, t- so to resist is two stress, right? Resist, you take six stress minus the highest die result on whatever ability you're using to resist, um, which would be an attribute. It would be either prowess, resolve, or the other one that I always forget, uh, insight. I think this would probably be a prowess one to be about moving out of the way, I imagine. I'm going to resist. I came in light. Because I was so focused on the foray match that I did not think about someone shooting me in the chest. So let me start by resisting. Um, yes, you also could mark armor here if you want to. Re- like, so I think by resisting, uh, we'll take this down from a level three harm to a level one harm to start. If you wanted to put armor on, you can take that all the way down to a. You can nullify the harm. Up to you. You do also. I would re- worth remembering. You do have two extra load of supplies and gear i believe from your your recon rigging or tools or gear sorry tools or gear which are you know categories on your your pilot loadout so what are we talking about what is that what is resisting this look like for you know how do you avoid taking the brunt of this damage i think like as soon as like big uh these like towering footsteps like started to break into the uh like vr sim hollow screens of the uh, projection cockpit. And you mentioned that the sound is kind of coming in through, you know, the audience here. And I think that the probably dim, right? But like, I feel like probably the most notable thing is that it's quiet. Audience drops out. And I think like, as that's happening, you know, Rhodes is pulling off the VR headset, right? Like the, the kind of moment that this starts to click into place, pulling off the headset. And I think is, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll resist. I'll, I'll take that you know, resistance roll. Um, but I think it's like colliding with Rhodes's chest plate as Rhodes puts one foot on the console here. And as I think like leaping from the, or is in process of like trying to like leap out of the pod and like onto the floor here. Do I have to mark armor or can I just take this and like soldier through it? Yeah, you can just take it as a level one harm if you're resisting the ro- resisting the, the harm. So yeah, level one harm. Let me roll first, right? Uh, so you're just, uh, you're still going to, the resist is just to see how much stress you take. You're still going to take the level one harm okay. no matter what you roll. 
Um, so I think a level one harm here instead is, ooh, enervated, drained of energy or vitality. I think that this blast still like, like you know, hits you, but like it's like a grazing wound. But something about it, it's like it, it drains like the the fundamental energy that like powers Rhodes's existence a little bit, right? Like you feel suddenly like um, you you feel. Uh, a little bit more tired, a little bit weaker after having, you know, it's not even like pain so much as it is, yeah, just this sudden like sapping of life force from you as this beam strikes you. Uh, I want you to go ahead and roll 3d6 and you can see how much stress you take. All right, rolling. Six, five, and two. Oh, so you take no stress. Uh, it's a perfect resist. Nice. And I do, I do think it like smokes, you know, like the uh, kind of like, burnt ceramic oh no sorry not ceramic but the the like burnt chest plate here i think is like cindering right like and i think maybe cinematic scene right is like the kind of like wide band here Rhodes, i think is like kind of mid movement as this uh beam collides and i think it is like you mentioned like this kind of inversion of color and i think maybe as things snap back when this beam kind of cuts through there's a bright light, uh, and I think it does knock him back a bit, but I think maybe Steady's kind of dropping, I guess, if that's no stress. Like, I'm just going going real anime style on this, right? Like, as, you know, as the uh, smoke, like, clears and the light kind of, like, returns to semi-normal, like, the fog here, like, sort of dissipates enough to, I think, Rhodes probably on, like, one knee, one fist on the ground, standing up, leveling eyes. Is that you, Corin? How far are you fallen? Not fallen. Holsters this this pistol, this this energy weapon, and is striding across like the flickering hollow table towards you. Not fallen, but crawled. Drag myself forward to find you again. You have taken what is mine by birthright and what is owed to the builder. I will not let this stand a day further. And I think at this point, there are more guards kind of coming into the room, right? Like lost saloon, or sorry, lost crown guards. And I think there is kind of like a kick up of small arms fire, right? Some of these guys are like pulling, you know, I think mostly pistols. These are just the nearest guards. They're opening fire on this cloaked, uh, you know, ceramic armored figure. And I think the same thing that happened before is happening to some extent, where some of these guys are firing, and before they can hit Hyacinth Corin, they strike these little like flash portals of mirror that redirect the bullets elsewhere, you know, coming out from portals on the other side. Uh, but there are other ones that are just striking the armor, hitting you know, slugs hitting the ground uselessly afterwards. Um, and I think you know, Rhodes, as he's moving closer towards you. You see. Someone land like what seems like a good shot on like the chest plate of this armor, and, and you see a crack and splinter happen in the ceramic armor, uh, and then this this sort of quicksilver substance that's flowing through all these cracks just spreads into this new crack and fills in the gap there. Mm-hmm.